0: Well, good morning, everyone. Despite um, technical issues, uh, we'll, we'll uh, muddle along and hopefully we'll, we'll get through all this. Um, there are um, one or two notices this morning, um, but one of which will um, require the, um, to Steve to um, show a, a short video. But we'll see if that happens or not. Um, now, normally we would start off with um, saying, if you want prayer after the service, then uh, please ring this number. Um, and I wasn't sure who it was, but now I know. Um, so if you need prayer, it's Nigel's um, email, uh, telephone number 704987. So if you would like prayer at any time um, after the service, so any time during the service, text Nigel and he'll put you in a breakout room and then uh, uh, a member of the prayer team will come and uh, pray with you. Um, but all those uh, young people that are on the screen at the moment, um, Identity is available to you uh, and will be available during the sermon. Um, so uh, that will happen this morning. Mark will lead that. So if you want to join that, then please do. Um, I'm going to ask um, Pauline... Uh, Randoni to um, just share with us uh, something about shoeboxes. So if you could unmute unmute yourself, Pauline, and uh, share with us, thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks, Tony. Yeah, it's that time of year again, when we think about shoeboxes for Operation Christmas Child. Sadly, we won't be processing at Heathervale this year, but we're hoping to fill at least 100 boxes on behalf of the church. Um, We're expecting numbers to be low this year, as many schools are unable to participate. Now, all the information you need is on the weekly sheet. It's nearly at the bottom, so so please read that. We do need small toys to put in the boxes, such as cars, especially, small small dolls, tennis balls, and toiletry items, such as soap, toothbrushes, and hairbrushes. Now, there are some green boxes at reception in the church and any items can be placed in those. If you would like to fill a box on behalf of your family, the go boxes are available from reception. And also on the table, there are some small items. There are lots of pens and some girly bits and pieces, which you're welcome to take. Um, we'd also welcome donations, the transport cost of a box is £5 and we do want to cover the cost of all the boxes that we're filling. Um, if you really don't want to go shopping, you can fill a virtual box online by going onto the Operation Christmas Child website and that will cost you £20. And I'm assured that they're very good quality boxes when those are filled. So. Please remember these children. A lot less children will be receiving gifts this year, which is very sad, but we want to make as many kids happy as we possibly can. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Pauline. Uh, Next week we'll be uh, celebrating harvest and Inika is going to share with us uh, an introduction to that. Thank you, Inika.
2: Morning. Yeah, as Tony said, next week, uh, it's harvest. So, this year, as we have for the last few years, we're going to be uh, supporting BMS World Missions Harvest Appeal. This year it's called Operation Chad. Um, and in a few seconds, we're going to watch a little um, trailer for the full video next week. Um, obviously, giving's got to be a bit different this year. Um, we can't be stood on the doors of your houses with collection plates. So, um, we will. Be giving a website where you can go to to donate. I'll make sure it's in the uh, weekly sheet as well. Um, or if you wouldn't, if you'd rather not give online, then Evelyn's got a stash of envelopes which will be going out with those who get a paper weekly sheet anyway. Or you can request them, and she has some spares. Um, yeah. So Steve, if we could see the clip, that would be great.
0: It is just loading.
1: like God is giving me more energy to do it and um, I've seen people saved, I've seen people healed, I've seen people delivered, so I'm grateful
3: for God.
2: Share this video with your church. Don't let the sun set on God's work in Chad.
0: Thank you, Eninka. So that uh, the full version of that video will will play next week. I um, just like to give a special welcome to Sam this morning, who joins us uh, despite suffering with the virus, and we're praying God's blessing upon you, Sam. As uh, You share this morning and uh, where you are in Sheffield at the moment. Let me read from Psalm chapter 8, Psalm 8, and it says, This, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants, you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you've set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet, all flocks and herds and the beasts of the field, the birds of the air and the fish of the sea. All that swim the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, let's worship him as we come together. And Sarah's going to lead us in uh, some song worship. Thank you. Let's uh, pray together. Father, we thank you that our hope is only found in you. Everything in this world is fleeting, but we acknowledge that you are forever. You are the Alpha and the Omega. And we do thank you for your faithfulness to us, your faithfulness to your promises that they are the same today and in the future. Lord, you've promised us so much and we look to you to honour those promises. But Lord, one of those promises is that you will never leave us nor forsake us, no matter what the situation is. And currently in this world, there is this pandemic still. But Lord, we want to acknowledge that you still reign and you are God, that you are in control. Of everything, that nothing happens in this world that you don't know about, that your hand is not uh, uh, touching it in some way. But Lord, as we look at our television screens and uh, read the news, Lord, we can't help but uh, be concerned uh, that this pandemic is taking another hold. And Lord, we look to you to, uh, as creator God, just to reach out and touch this world. We know that one touch of your hand and it will be gone. Lord, we ask that, that that will happen. Lord, until that time, uh, Lord, we do pray that there will be a hold on it, that uh, it will not keep increasing, that it will become stable, but even more that it will reduce again. Lord, I'm mindful that uh, December is not too far away and Christmas is a family time. And Lord, it's a time where we celebrate the birth of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we will want to celebrate that in our churches. We will want to celebrate that in our homes. And so Lord, we pray in these coming months that there will be a real change in this pandemic, that it will reduce enough that we can uh, open our churches where we can come and worship you as a family of God for the birth of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, to that end, we do continue to lift scientists before you that are working on um, the the right uh, antidote to this virus. Lord, we pray that you will give them wisdom, you'll give them knowledge, that as they work, uh, that there will be breakthroughs and that uh, this will be available to uh, everyone across the world in a very short space of time. Lord, you can do more than we can ask or think, and we just lay that before you. Lord, we do lift before you all those in our fellowships and in our families that are laid aside at this time. We do especially, again, pray for Sam, Lord, that you will just be close to him, Lord, he's been through this before and uh, in a way knows what to expect. But Lord, we pray that you will touch him and that you will bless him. We thank you that he's here with us this morning. And that is amazing. But Lord, there are others in our families who need a touch of your hand for specific reasons. And Lord, we name them in our hearts before you and ask that in each of the situations you will send your spirit that your spirit might touch the lives of all those that we're praying for at this moment in time. Lord, we do pray for the needs of our community. Uh, Lord, we we know uh, that there is much need due to perhaps unemployment, due to furlough, uh, whatever it is, Lord. Uh, There is much need, and we pray that uh, we, in some way, uh, as a church, in, in our own communities that we may be able to reach out and bring an answer to their needs. We thank you for Food Bank. We thank you for CAP. We thank you for all the organizations that are working to bring relief and to meet needs. And Lord, we pray that you'll just bless their work. But we do thank you that we do have this way of communicating with you to lay these things that are laid on our hearts before the throne of grace, knowing that you will take them up on our behalf and that you will receive the glory in each one. For it is in Jesus' name and for his glory we ask it all. Amen. Well, we're starting uh, a new series in uh, 1 John and uh, Mark is going to share with us uh, an all-age talk.
4: Hi, everyone. So, we're starting a new series this week. Martin will be leading us through the first letter of John. And the focus this week is on the joy of fellowship and the certainty that we can have in our faith in Jesus Christ. You see, sometimes it's hard to be a Christian. Sometimes we may question whether we've got it right. I know I do from time to time and certainly the disciples did as i'm sure you can imagine so how can we be sure of the truth let's see what convinced the disciples that jesus was real Over the past few weeks and months, we've looked at lots of stories about Jesus and his followers. Remember, the disciples spent three years traveling around with Jesus, listening to him teaching, watching him perform miracles like healing the sick, commanding the weather feeding thousands of people and even raising the dead jesus even sent the disciples out to teach and do miracles on their own in his name of course so when jesus was arrested and crucified their world must have fallen apart We saw a few weeks ago how Peter denied Jesus three times. I wonder what they must have been thinking. They must have had doubts. Maybe it was all a sham. Maybe Jesus was a con man and he'd been found out. It must have been really hard for them. I wonder how I would have felt. But the disciples... Still had each other, even though they came from all different kinds of walks of life. There were fishermen, a tax collector, a zealot, even a thief, to name but a few. People who would not normally be friends, but they all had something in common their relationship with Jesus. Now, three days after Jesus died and was buried, Mary went to the tomb to anoint Jesus' body with oil and perfume. But when she got there, she found that the tomb was already open. And it was empty. Jesus' body was not there. She was really upset. But then, amazingly, Jesus appeared to her and told her that he had risen from the dead. He said, go and tell my brothers that I have risen. So Mary ran back to the disciples and told them that she'd seen Jesus and that he'd risen from the dead. But they did not believe her so john and peter ran to the tomb to check it out they found that everything mary had said was true the grave was empty and the grave clothes were left behind but they did not see jesus the disciples all met together they were worried that the Jewish authorities would come after them next so they locked the door when all of a sudden Jesus appeared right in front of them they were amazed but to prove that he was real Jesus showed them his hands where the nails had been and the hole in his side where the spear had gone, and he let them touch him and put their fingers in the holes. The disciples were overjoyed, and they praised God. All their fears and doubts were satisfied. Of course it was not a sham. Jesus was not a con man. He was a real man, human through and through. They knew that because they touched him but they knew he was also the son of God Jesus told them that they had to carry on his work when he was gone the disciples had to proclaim the good news about Jesus that through Jesus everyone can come to know and have a relationship with God that Because Jesus died and rose again, if they believed in him, their sins would be forgiven and they would have eternal life. So we, too, can be confident of our faith in Jesus because he has ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. We too can share the good news because Jesus has given us his authority. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Mark, for sharing that with us. Uh, Well, we have uh, a number of teachers uh, and uh, school staff within our fellowship. And uh, for them, it's a very different uh, teaching environment. And I've asked Helen Lancashire if she'll share with us um, perhaps some of the highs and lows of uh, teaching during a pandemic. Thank you Helen.
5: Uh, thank you Tony, I hope you can all hear me okay. Tony asked if I would speak on about my personal thoughts um, and experiences of teaching during this pandemic. What I'm about to share is personal to me, although there may be things felt by others also in my profession. I was very inspired by Leslie's testimony a couple of weeks ago, and I hope I can come across as well. During lockdown between March and May, mainly working from home had its positives. Spending so much time with my son Isaac, doing schoolwork, which gave me an insight into how he was doing academically, but mainly enjoying being able to do fun things together. It was also a time to reflect, rest, and take a proper break from the business busyness that is my life. During this time, teaching was stressful, but in a very different way to the norm. Throughout April and May, apart from the Easter holidays, I was in school between two and three times a week, supporting the key worker children or doing admin duties as part of my senior role including setting up a school fund newsletter called the Byfleet Buzz, sharing children's home learning photos and messages of hope and encouragement, similar to the rainbows in the windows in our community. But it also was putting together endless timetables for when the children return. When some classes and children were invited back at the start of June, I became full time again and moved from that role to leading a reception class of around ten children aged four to five. My class before lockdown were year three age eight-year-olds so this was a challenge in itself. The children didn't know me and came into school at the start anxious, worried and upset to be away from their parents having been off school for a while. However, children are resilient and so adaptable and as soon as rules, routines and most importantly, our care for them um, was established. They settled quickly and it became the norm, at least for a short while. I enjoyed this time with the little ones and realized I missed teaching that age. Maybe I will again in the future. But my biggest negative during this time was that Isaac was also had to be in school full time in a class bubble of between two and 10 children a day, none of which were his close friends. Despite online contact during the whole of the time off, Isaac did not see many of his friends for six months. This did affect him greatly, and most days Isaac was reluctant to go to school, which was a challenge. Since September, all children have returned to school. Teaching and school life has never been more different. Stricter rules for safety, cleaning tick lists, schools have never been cleaner, which is a positive, sitting in rows and keeping to our own areas, attempting social distancing and lots of one-way systems, and of course, washing hands at least six times a day. Schools are now following what is called a recovery curriculum, which is trying to catch up on six months of missed schooling, but still expecting children to be at the same point where they should be by the end of this academic year despite some of them not having picked up a pencil to write or read a book in all their time at home. Some of the children that were behind for whatever reason before are more behind than ever, and the pressure is on teachers to bridge that gap. I am lucky that I have the same class as before lockdown, so it's been easier over the last few weeks uh, to start without the added difficulty of getting to know children, and I did miss them a lot. However, it's frustrating to see that some children who were making progress have now regressed. I'm currently mentoring um, a newly qualified teacher who is finding so much completely overwhelming. What I haven't mentioned thus far is the risk for staff, parents and children of catching the COVID virus itself. This is very real in schools and even more so in colleges and universities at this time. As we move to colder months, symptoms of Covid could be muddled with things less serious, but our most vulnerable remain so much at risk. The testing system is completely overwhelmed and we are called to isolate until a safe return, continuously disrupting school life over and over again. So what now? Living with the risk in order to create herd immunity imposing further restrictions, or another lockdown with no clear end in sight. For me, God during this time has been my comforter, my refuge, my strength, my hope eternal. And so in Christ alone, from my favourite hymn, no guilt in life, no fear in death, Jesus commands my destiny. Thank you for listening.
0: Thank you very much, Helen, for, for sharing that with us. Um, I've asked Janine uh, if she will pray for that situation because um, Janine is, J- is also uh, working in the schools. So Janine, if you could unmute yourself and pray, that'd be great. Thank you.
6: Thank you. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that you are with us and that you keep us safe in our childcare, nurseries, schools and colleges where it is nigh on impossible to socially distance. We thank you too that the increase in COVID within these age groups remains relatively low and stable. We thank you, Father, that you are a God of understanding and that you understand the difficult added pressures, anxieties and fears that some of us may face daily in our workplace. We lay before you the strains of additional working responsibilities incurring unsociable working hours. But we do this because you've given us hearts that care, just as you do. Father, we pray for the legal ratios to be maintained to sustain the education and learning for our young people. Help our youngsters cope with their fears and anxieties, as well as catching up with missed work by equipping us with the compassion and calm and good teaching skills that they need. Help those who are now faced with preparing extra assessments and continual changes to planning. Would there be a good work-life balance, please? We lift and pray for each other. Please equip us with strength and energy for our continued protection against the virus and that you would continue to keep us safe and healthy and for our families as we return home each day. We pray that if staff are asked to isolate, that there would be the availability of swift testing and a speedy turnaround of results. Please be with us on our daily travels. May our journeys be trouble free. And we remember those in school transport positions. Please protect the drivers, escorts and pupils within those very confined spaces and has has been prayed earlier, we remember our university students nationwide and we particularly pray for Sam and his flatmates and many others at his university. Would your grace bring swift healing and provisions to them, Father, so that they too can continue with their studies and be able to return to some sort of normality. May this also be an opportunity for Sam to share his faith with others would you bring your provision and healing, Father, please, throughout our universities nationwide? And Lord, we lift all these requests to you and pray that our prayers will be answered and blessed in the name of our dear Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.
0: Thank you, Janine. Well, we read uh, from uh, 1 John 1 and verses one to four, and I've asked Mary Papworth to read that to us. Thank you, Mary.
1: That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testified to it. And we proclaim to you,
0: Well, let's pray for martin as he comes and uh, speaks to us father we thank you for this new series that you've laid on martin's heart for us uh, over these next few weeks lord we pray that you will bless uh, the, the preparation that he has put in under the guidance of your holy spirit and as he speaks words this morning may it touch our hearts and our lives uh, that we will be blessed because we've heard from you, and he will be blessed too, as he gives your word to us now. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Martin.
3: Well, morning, everybody. Um, welcome. Um, looking uh, today at the joy of uh, fellowship, um, John writes this letter to assure Christians that, um, that that we can be certain um, that we have eternal life in fellowship with God. And, And he says the purpose of the letter in 1 John 5, 13. He writes this, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So it is possible for us to be certain and to know with certainty and surety that we belong to God, we have fellowship with him, and that we have eternal life. That's a good thing, isn't it? And um, knowing for John is not knowing about God. It is knowing God in a personal relationship or fellowship. Um, and Fellowship is a relationship with God for this life and for eternity. Time and again throughout the letter, John describes what type of fellowship we have with God. Um, he calls us children of God. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Um, Christians have been born of God, 1 John 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. So fellowship is based on God's love for us, our love for him, and our love for one another as Christians. But the source of our fellowship with God is acknowledging or believing in Jesus as the Son of God. 1 John 2.23 No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever acknowledges the Son has the Father also. And for the Christian, the fellowship with God is so intimate and personal that John says that God lives in us and we live in him. 1 John 4.15 If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and he in God. Christians are united to God through believing in Jesus the Son through the bond of the Holy Spirit in us. 1 John 3, 24. Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the Spirit he gives us. So, in other words, we have fellowship with all three members of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We are united to Jesus in his death and resurrection through the Holy Spirit. And the fellowship we enjoy is not just with Father, Son, and Spirit. It's also fellowship with other Christians, 1 John 1, verse 7. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So, fellowship is central to John's theology. He wants us to be sure that we have fellowship with God and with one another. So why is it that John hammers away all through the letter about giving us confidence and surety about our fellowship with God? Well, it's because false teachers had infiltrated the churches around Ephesus, to which John writes. A number of people had abandoned their faith and left the churches, 1 John 2:19. They went out from us, but they did not really belong to us. Or if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. And not surprisingly, those left behind in the churches needed reassurance that they were still on the right path, that the message they'd received was the authoritative message of Jesus, because they were wobbling. They were wobbling in their faith. Um, And so John writes to give them confidence. And we need this reassurance, too, don't we? Um, people still leave churches today um, for all sorts of reasons, and that causes other Christians to wobble. We wonder if we've got it right. We wonder if we still have confidence in our relationship with God. Um, family and uh, friends give up on their faith. S- uh, Christian celebrities who once professed faith walk away publicly. And all of these things can cause us to, to wobble and lose confidence in the gospel. And as Christians, we're not immune from the air that we breathe at the moment, are we? The um, Just out and about in the street, and certainly on, on social media and through the news coverage, there is, there is a general atmosphere, isn't there, of insecurity and anxiety out there in the world. And uh, we shouldn't pretend that we don't breathe this same air as Christians. We feel and we sense this insecurity and anxiety that this pandemic has caused. And the way it manifests itself is that the media are constantly looking to human solutions. Now, it's right that we pray for doctors and researchers to find a vaccine, but quite frankly, the only way out of this is going to be an intervention of God, isn't it? That we believe that God is sovereign in these situations. If we don't believe that, and it's all down to human intervention, I think we're right to be anxious and insecure with the rest of the world. But if we're praying that God would miraculously intervene in this world, yet albeit through doctors and vaccines and all the rest of it, and even, dare I say, through politicians, ultimately we're we're saying through prayer that God is sovereign. He is still in control. And therefore we don't have to walk in the same level of of insecurity and anxiety that the world does. So God wants us to be confident and sure in our faith. And that's why we have 1 John. So what was this false teaching? It's important that we understand what it was so that we can apply the word of God faithfully today. Well, it was about the divinity and humanity of Jesus Christ. 1 John 1.22a. Who is the liar? It is the man who denies that Jesus is the Christ. These false teachers were denying that the man, Jesus, was the same person as the Christ. In other words, they were separating the divinity of Jesus from his humanity. The false teachers taught that Jesus, the man, was born through natural sexual relations between Mary and Joseph, itself a heresy. And it was only then at his baptism that the divine Christ, in the form of the Holy Spirit, came upon Jesus, the man. And according to these false teachers, the divine Christ left Jesus at the cross. So it was only Jesus in his humanity who who was crucified and died. And only Jesus, the man in his humanity, who was raised from the dead. So they separated the divinity of Christ from his humanity. They, They agreed that Jesus was able to do miracles Um, when the spirit rested upon him through the divinity of christ in him in his life on earth but the divine christ was not crucified didn't die and was not raised from the dead now you can imagine the effects of this false teaching on the christians in the churches around ephesus if jesus was not both fully god and fully human jesus in his divinity and could not offer forgiveness of sins for human beings because he couldn't enter into our sin and forgive it but also if if the divine christ never rose from the grave he couldn't offer eternal life and resurrection to believers because god if god didn't wasn't raised from the dead in christ he couldn't offer eternal life to christians And so John writes, assuring the Christians that the apostolic witness that he and the other apostles have given is absolutely based on firsthand witnessing and evidence. The authority of the apostolic witness that Jesus is fully God and fully human. So he starts his letter, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. This we proclaim concerning the word of life these were eyewitnesses, first-hand eyewitnesses. They were there with Jesus. And John reminds his hearers and us that these gospel accounts and his letter are based on first-hand witness accounts. Notice the similarities between um, John's letter and the gospel of John. In John chapter 1 verse 1, John begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In other words, by using the phrase word with a capital W for Jesus and talking about in the beginning, John is linking Jesus in his letter with the divine eternal son of God in John's gospel. But also John's gospel itself is based on the beginning of Genesis chapter one. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And we read, through Genesis 1, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be an expanse of sky, and there was, etc. So in other words, John is saying that the word of God, Jesus, was there at the beginning with the Father, speaking creation into being. Jesus was the creative, divine word of God, saying, let there be light, and there was light. So Jesus is fully divine. He is fully God. He was the word of life there from the beginning. He was with God as the word, and he was God as the word. And John wants his readers, including us, to have confidence that Jesus is the eternal son of God through whom all creation came into being and in whom all creation is sustained. So This is really important because if Jesus, which we believe he is, is the eternal son of God who spoke creation into being and who holds the stars and the planets and all the laws of physics in his hands, then we ought to have trust that even this coronavirus is in the hands of Jesus, the eternal son of God, didn't we? That he who spoke creation into being and sustains creation holds the world in his hands um the, the the word of god came into the world god in the flesh as john puts it in john 1:14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and john describes the eternal son of god coming in the flesh in this way in as in his humanity 1 john 1 That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched. I was really grateful for Mark's video because it illustrates all of this, doesn't it? You know, John, who wrote this letter, was stood there at the foot of the cross when Jesus said to John, look after my mother. John saw the empty tomb. He even saw the wounds in Jesus' hands and side. John was one of the disciples who, along with James and Peter, went up on a mountain and saw Jesus' face become as white as lightning and his clothing change. John was one who heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my son who I have chosen, listen to him. The apostles heard Jesus say that when he, he would send them power through the Holy Spirit, and they experienced that power on the day of Pentecost when the Spirit came upon them. Just before the day of Pentecost, the disciples had seen Jesus ascend back to heaven. In other words, John is saying in his letter introduction, look, all the evidence is there. Jesus is fully divine and he's fully human. We have seen him. We've heard him teach. We've seen his miracles. We've touched his flesh and we've seen him ascend back to heaven. This is the eternal son of God, the word who became flesh. And he commissioned us as apostles, gave us authority to teach this stuff. John 20 verse 21. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. So the message John proclaims in his letter is the message that Jesus, the eternal son of God, the word made flesh, gave to him and the apostles to pass on so that the Christians around Ephesus might know the confidence of fellowship with God and with one another. Verse three, we proclaim to you what we have seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the father and with his son. And it goes on Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. So when the word is preached, When the word, the message of the gospel is preached, people come into fellowship with God. Proclamation leads to fellowship. And to introduce others to Jesus is to introduce them and invite them to share in a fellowship with God for eternity. And the testimony of the apostles is the evidence and authority for the message we share today. It has authority from Jesus himself given to the apostles for us to pass on. If the church of today is interested in seeing others become Christians and drawn into its fellowship and into fellowship with God, we must faithfully proclaim the witness of the apostles to Jesus. But the very idea of proclaiming the good news of Jesus is challenged by the values of our culture today. Just look at the trouble that um, um, Billy Graham's son, um, Franklin, had in trying to preach the gospel uh, recently. He was blocked from cities cities. Um, because his message was seen as exclusive and intolerant of other faiths. So this is a real live issue today for us as Christians. Um, The idea of proclaiming Jesus as the only way to the Father and the source of life and truth and good news is often viewed today as imposing your private religious views on others. And the cultural mood is this. If you want to believe that stuff, silly as it is, that's fine. But keep it to yourself thank you very much you may have had private conversations with people who say look i respect what you believe in but it's not for me um keep it to yourself if you don't mind that kind of polite surrey way of putting it isn't it even among christians the new testament is sometimes viewed as one religious option among many but you see that simply won't do we need to be confident in the apostolic witness as Christians in the New Testament. You see, Jesus makes exclusive claims in John's John's gospel. He says, no one comes to the Father except by me. There is no other way to have fellowship with God than through Jesus the Son. And if we're going to go along with a view of spirituality that say, yeah, okay, all roads lead to God, you're going to have to call Jesus a liar because he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. It will not do for the sake of tolerance and our comfort and for not offending anybody to kind of go along with this pluralism that we see in our culture. We we are not being true to the apostolic witness if we do that. You see, the message of Jesus offends many people. You see, the New Testament and 1 John claims that all people are sinful and require forgiveness. Culturally, we, we like to think of ourselves in our, in our nation as basically good people. We know that there are evil people out there who abuse people and, and are, are nasty, but we basically like to see ourselves as good. But the message of the gospel offends because it says that we are to judge ourselves not by our human standards, but by God who is light. There is no darkness in him. And compared to God, we are all sinners who need forgiveness of sins if we're to have fellowship with him and the only way we can have fellowship with God is by believing in the son Um, this cultural offense at the proclamation of the gospel has led some churches to promote the gospel only through acts of love service generosity prayer and good deeds Um, all of those things are really important but our corporate responsibility is primarily to promote the gospel through proclamation, and then back that up, authenticate it with works of good deeds and justice, acts of love and generosity, support and give authenticity to the gospel message. But just to do justice without the proclamation is to not do justice to the gospel message. It is to deny the very witness that we're called um, to give. As our society becomes increasingly intolerant of proclamation, it's going to get harder and harder to do this faithfully. It'll be more tempting for churches to just do justice and do good deeds. And now good as these things are and right as these things are, they are not the whole gospel. We must proclaim the word faithfully and authenticate it with acts of compassion and generosity and justice. Good deeds on their own are not the gospel. You see, the apostles gave us testimony we must proclaim. The world was not tolerant of their message either, was it? Do you remember that um, after healing the crippled man at the temple gate, Peter and John were thrown into prison and told never to preach the gospel again? Um, folks, if we think there was a glory age of tolerance in the church, it's never been there, Um you know, the the intolerance was always there from from the beginning. But like like the apostles, we need to be bold and joyful in knowing Jesus and proclaiming him. You see, proclamation leads to joy. At the end of the day, persecution aside, we have a gospel that brings us joy. Joy with God and joy in fellowship with one another. John writes, to make our joy complete. You know, the gospel is the best message in the world, isn't it? Because it leads to joy, it leads to contentment, it leads to fulfillment, it leads to meaning, it leads to purpose. When we respond to the gospel and invite Jesus into our hearts, we have fellowship with God the Father and God the Holy Spirit and God the Son. There is nothing more joyful, more peace-giving, more satisfying, more purposeful, nothing in the world that gives more meaning and joy than knowing, that you have eternal life in and through Jesus Christ, fellowship, relationship with God. That is such good news that we want to surely share it with others. Um, and John Piper, uh, in his book, writes this. The joy which is our Christian duty to pursue does not reach its climax in private communion with God. Rather, it reaches its fullest extent only when it is compounded by the joy of seeing others sharing it with us. The joy, the sharing of a joy is that same joy in consummation. You know the joy you have when you see someone baptized and come to faith because you know that they're sharing in the joy that you found. That's what John means. He wants more people, friends, work colleagues, family members to come to know the joy that we know as Christians. And he calls you and I to go and proclaim that joy faithfully in word and deed to our friends and family and work colleagues and neighbors. We have a privilege of making him known of sharing Jesus because Jesus is joy and life and peace. Surely we want to share him and proclaim him faithfully. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you are the eternal son of God who took on flesh and died for our sins that we might be forgiven and have fellowship with God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Thank you Holy Spirit for the joy that we have of you living in us and I pray Lord that by your Spirit you would so fill us this morning with joy that we couldn't keep this message to ourselves if we tried. That Lord you would give us boldness and courage and an overflowing joy to share the message of Jesus with those that we come into contact with in our our families, our friends, our neighbors, our work colleagues. And this we ask in the powerful, eternal name of Jesus, our Savior, amen.
0: Thank you, Martin. Well, let's finish our time together by uh, singing a lovely hymn, Blessed Assurance. Thank you, Steve and Sarah.
7: Let's do
0: joy that we have in having fellowship with you and as we go into this week we pray that that will give us a confidence to demonstrate the Lord Jesus Christ in our lives that we may proclaim him by our words and our actions so we pray that you will go with us you will be with us and in those situations where we have an opportunity to share the good news of Jesus Christ Will you help us with the words to say that many more might come into the kingdom because of the faithfulness of your people and the faithfulness of your spirit working within us. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, thank you very much to everyone who's uh, taken part this morning. And don't forget, if you want prayer, uh, then the number is 07770-704987. God bless and have a great week. Thank you.